Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon, and won a 24-hour track race overall with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultramarathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA ultra running coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host. Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram at healthhighperformance. Health and High Performance are located in Montalbert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. Contact them on their website to find out more. Wild Earth Australia are the online store to help you make the most out of the outdoors with top quality gear at great prices. Peak Endurance podcast listeners can use the discount code PEAKENDURANCE in all capitals to get 10% off at checkout. Head on over to wildearth.com.au to get everything you need for your next adventure. Welcome to the podcast. Episode 111 is another interview with Luke Nelson, chiropractor at Health and High Performance. In this episode, we discuss medial tibial stress syndrome, or more commonly known as shin splints. Shin splints is a label often given for shin pain, but there are a number of things that can cause pains in the shin. So in this episode, we discuss some of the key causes. If you enjoy this episode, please go on over to Apple Podcasts or the platform that you listen on to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps grow the audience and helps me get high profile athletes on the show. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. Also, I am looking at creating another bonus podcast and would love to hear from you what the best running advice is that you have ever gotten. Could you do me a favour and send me a private message on Facebook to my personal page with an audio recording of your answer? I would love to have your voice on the podcast. Thank you in advance. If you want to be your best, you need to be coached by the best. I have the experience and the knowledge to get you to your running best. If you love to challenge yourself, email me, Isabel, at peakendurancecoaching.com.au to get a program started and designed just for you. Enjoy this injury special with Luke. Hi, Luke, and welcome once again to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Thanks, Isabel, for having me. Yeah, we're ticking off, uh, ticking off another injury today, and another uh, pretty common one, and and uh, can be a bit of a bit of a nasty one to deal with as well too. This one, so uh, I'm very happy to be uh, for joining. Yeah, this is one that um obviously plagues a, a lot of runners, and and I've had it myself. Um, 
So I think it it, it will really um, resonate and, and uh, to a lot of runners and they'll be able to relate to this and hopefully we'll be able to help some people along the way here. Yes, I certainly hope so. And that's the, uh, the, the aim of these podcasts, isn't it, is to, uh, to help all the, uh, all the runners out there to, uh, to manage these sort, of, uh, these sort of issues. And, uh, and we are talking, of course, about, about shin pain today. So uh, it is one of those, uh, those injuries that is, is fairly common. And, uh, and as we mentioned, can be quite, uh, quite debilitating as well for, for runners. So uh, there's, there's a number of things that can cause shin pain. And, and you get runners you know, that will you know, tell me, oh, I've got, uh, I've got shin pain or shin splints is, is sort of the, the common term. Um, and um, why it's called chin splints? Why? Yeah, I, it actually, I, I think it came, actually came from the description of, of what it feels like because it can almost feel yeah. like, you know, you, 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 the, the, yeah, the tugging, the pulling there can feel like it's uh, it's almost like a splintering of the uh, of, of, of the bone there. So I think that's where the, the actual name developed. But it's one of these terms where people will use it for any shin pain. So uh, it's not really a specific term. We don't tend to use that as a, as a diagnosis. Of, of shin splints wow. because as I said there can be a number of things that can cause shin pain uh, we've got some things like the, the front of the shin um, and that's sort of yeah around the uh, I'll ask, first thing I'll say is well show me where you're feeling the pain um, and if they're pointing more to the front of the, the shin we're either thinking that it could be a uh, anterior compartment syndrome or it could be a, a dreaded stress fracture that's always nasty so we're always hoping and fingers crossed that it's not that um, of the uh, the shin there, the tibia. Then we've got the inside of shin, and this is where it tends to be most of the time. So we've got our medial tibial stress syndrome, and that's where we're sort of going to be basing most of the, the, the talk on today. Uh, that is the more common cause of, of shin pain in runners, that medial tibial stress syndrome. Uh, then you've also unfortunately got your tibial stress fracture as well, so you can get a, a, an anterior stress fracture, which is a, a bit of a nasty one to deal with. And then you've got a, a medial stress fracture, so that's on the inside of the, uh, of the shin there. Those ones uh, are not as bad as the as the front. They can you can often sort of run run with those. Um, the the anterior ones on the front of the shin, uh, you do often have to rest uh, rest with those. Um, we've also got another another thing to consider on the inside of the shin. There is um, what's called a, a deep compartment syndrome. So, um, and we can talk a little bit about how that how that differs to a uh, to a medial tibial stress syndrome. Uh, and then we've also got calf muscle strain as well. So sometimes that can, um, if you've got of the uh, the gastrox or the soleus, those those two calf muscles, um, sometimes you can get a strain on those sort of more on the inside there. So that's something that we want to uh, we want to rule out as well. Uh, and then lastly, we've also got um, nerve issues and, and blood vessel issues down the, down the leg can also cause shin pain too. So it's something that we, you know, shin pain and, and shin splints is, you know, we don't tend to use that so much as a term because there can be a lot of things that fall under that umbrella. So it's obviously really important to, to get a diagnosis of, of what's going on and then that, that'll then dictate uh, how, you, uh, how you manage them because they're all, they all can be uh, slightly different in, in how, you, uh, how you get uh, get on the road to recovery. So as I said, the main one that we're going to be talking about today is that medial tibial stress. And, and that is, it, it's sort of the second most common injury actually in, uh, in runners behind uh, patellofemoral pain. And we did uh, obviously discuss that runner's knee in, in one of our previous, uh, previous podcasts, but it's, a, it's a, you know, it's fairly common between sort of 13 and 20% of, of runners um, will, will, will suffer from uh, medial tibial stress. Um, some of the symptoms that you'll feel. So what um, what people often describe is they'll they'll say there's there's pain on the the inside of the shin, um, and that's why I'll sort of always get them to say I'll point and show me where you where you feel it, and they'll often sort of draw a little bit of a line sort of up and up and down the shin there. 
Um, it can often be sort of touched. They can sort of feel, might feel a little bit gristly around through there as well. I say oh, it's a bit bumpy and lumpy around through the the inside, um, and and it's uh, we also want to see it be um, that that area of soreness, that area of tenderness. We want to see that be more than five centimeters. So if it's quite specific, so if it's really like oh no, it's just right under my finger here, that can potentially indicate more a stress fracture. Where if it's a bit more widespread, that can help to. Uh, it's more likely to be a um, to to be medium or tibial, uh, tibial stress. Um, obviously aggravated with, uh, with, with running um, and, uh, and jumping. We tend to find that sometimes when these, these first begin, um, they can be a bit sore at the start of the run uh, or the workout. Uh, and then they'll, they'll start to, they can disappear as the, as the runner warms up. Uh, and then can then appear afterwards um, when they've cooled down and, uh, and that pain can sometimes linger for you know, the next day or the, or the day after. Um, but what can happen is that as it gets worse, the pain just then remains throughout the workout and, and sometimes they, the, the runner needs to stop because the pain just gets too much. So, so yeah, if we can get it in the early stages, obviously, obviously ideal when things are, you know, when things aren't too bad and they can run through it. Um, it's a lot easier to manage than these ones that are really get, uh, get sore and they, they have to stop running. If they keep running and, you know, and just, just keep running and, and put up with the pain, can that lead to a shin splint? Stress, stress fracture. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because there, there's a lot of there's sort of some debate in in about what actually the the cause of pain is with with this with medial tibial stress. So the the current way of thinking is that you've got your, your shin bone and your calf, your 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 your, um, your soleus muscle runs in attaches into that uh, into the shin. And so the thought is that when you run and jump and move around, that soleus pulls on the uh, on the shin, uh, right. and that. Can can cause a, a bit of a reaction and a bit of a tugging on that on that bone and also what happens when you contract those muscles it actually causes a bending and twisting in the in the bone there as well so there's the, the theory there that and that's normal that's that's actually how you know how we how our, yeah it's how, it doesn't sound nice but but that's actually how our bones get stronger you know and that's that's one of the you know the most important things of the, the key to, to strong bones is uh, is impact exercise and, and also um, you know strength training as well is really good for that so you don't need always need the impact but the strength of, of stimulating those muscles creates that pull on the bone and creates the strength there. So with that, um, the idea there being that if that, that's the cause, then potentially what can happen is if that continues to, to pull on an area that's not adapting very well, that that could potentially lead down the path of, of, of a stress fracture. And we, we sometimes consider these um, uh, on the spectrum of a stress fracture. So if you've got, you know, medial tibial stress, then you've got a stress reaction, then you've got a stress fracture, and then you've got a complete fracture uh, and uh, and so yeah as you said you, you, there is a you know a, a, um, a possibility of continuing to push this that it can lead to uh, to to, uh, to worsening of the, of the actual bone bone health there um, yeah. so yes yeah, so that's why again you want to get on top of these top of these things because they they can once they start persisting through exercise then they 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 do get more challenging to uh, to, to manage and they do generally need a little bit of rest for that to then uh, for that to then to settle down. Um, one of the other things we, we, we don't want to see with these is, is uh, if you're getting pins and needles in the feet or any symptoms down into the into the, the, the feet there, that tends to suggest it's more more likely uh, compartment syndrome. So um, and that's uh, you know one of those those differentials that we discussed early on. So um, and uh, that's um, the other thing too is that it can appear in both sides. So it's quite common actually um, to 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 be on on both sides with these the medial tibial stress. Um, so unfortunately, it's about forty or fifty. 
50% of people actually have it on, on both sides. So, uh, um, and that's been sort of my experience as well. Some people on one and, and, uh, and others will get it on uh, both sides at the same, at the same time. So there's some of the some of the common symptoms that we that we look for. So now in terms of what what causes causes this, um, you know, there's a lot of um, we've spoken previously before about the multifactorial nature of, of injuries, in that there's lots of different things that that can contribute to an injury. So we've always got to consider, you know, the workload. So how much the runner is is doing, uh, what the volumes like, how you know what their intensity have they have they all of a sudden ramped up their mileage too much, or have they all of a sudden done a lot of hills, or they've they've uh, you know, increase their speed work, all these sort of things, volume, um, uh, hills and, uh, and speed work will all uh, increase the demand on that, uh, on the, of the bone, but also on those, those calf muscles as well too. Uh, and then we've always got to balance that, you know, between the amount of work that you're doing and then your recovery. So, you know, what, what's the sleep like, what's the nutrition like, um, and then you, you know, you stress in daily life. And then we've got things that can, can help to counterbalance that. So like your strength, what's your strength like, um, you know, your mobility, uh, your, your mechanics, your running gait, all those sort of things as well too can contribute to it. So these are all the things that, that, uh, you know, when someone comes in with it, with any sort of injury, we're always sort of thinking, all right, well, in, in this particular person here, what is, uh, what is contributing to, uh, to their, uh, their particular problem. So all really important to be uh, holistic in that, um, in that sense. So if we talk about now a bit about how to how to manage this uh, this this condition. So firstly, and and probably most importantly, we've got about our, our loading, and, and we've discussed this this before, and um, and this is the the this can be the real benefit of having a coach, um, you know, someone uh, like yourself to 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 guide the runner through an appropriate loading because. Um, often in, in my experience, when we're seeing a lot of recreational runners, you leave them to their own accord. They, they're very haphazard in their training response of their training uh, loading. So they can, you know, one week they might do four runs then they'll do none and then they'll do two and then they'll do zero. And, and it's this sort of up and down effect um, that essentially creates a, a constant state, state of, of shock and the body can't adapt to that. Um, so so yeah. we've seen this, this graph before or, mm. or very similar. And, and that really seems to be something that, um, like you said, is, is a big cause of, of any kind of injury is that is that really up and down loading? Yeah, it is. It is really important. I mean, if you take take the load away, there wouldn't be an injury. So you know, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's no no running. Yeah. Like one week, you know, eighty k's, and next week twenty k's, then you know seventy k's, and yeah. Yep. And, and I think that's something for people to be really mindful of is that consistency is um is really important absolutely and that's that's where having you know having the guidance of of a coach and, and a running program is is uh, is is really important and, and being consistent with that uh with that and we do often see this come up in people that have you know either had a long layoff from running or they're, they're starting back or they go on holidays and they all of a sudden want to do you know decide i can run every day now and you know when they're only used to running three times a week and and uh and these things can appear there and the other the other time that we'll, i'll commonly see it here is in um uh in football and and soccer players as well in the pre-season where they've had a few months off and then all of a sudden they're starting up into doing a heap of a heap of running and they start to uh, start to develop these issues as well so so it's something that not just exclusive to runners but anyone anyone in any sort of running sport if they're uh, if they they essentially don't um yeah increase their their loading um uh, correctly and this is where we can see on that that graph on the right side is you know gradually increase and and, and uh you know with with a um a, a, some planned down weeks in there as well yeah. um so so yeah really important 
important to, to, to look at, you know, if, you, if you're having these issues, you know, have a look at yourself at, at what your training's been like and see, all right, yeah, probably haven't been doing the right, uh, right thing, right thing with that. Um, and certainly enlisting the help of a, uh, of a coach is, uh, can be, can be really important to, uh, to getting through, uh, getting that, getting that right. Next, we've got our calf strength, and it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be a, a talk with uh, without mentioning the uh, the good old calves, my my favourite uh, favourite muscle group. Um, so researchers found that that those actually with uh, medial tibial stress often have weaker calves, <clears throat> and that's been been my experience generally. Although sometimes you'll see people that do have do have adequate calf strength, and and um, yet they can still have this why, this condition. Why would weaker calves lead to that? It, like. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that um, one is that the the calf muscles themselves actually help to absorb the impact. Um, so every time the foot is hitting the ground, there um, those calves are, act like shock absorbers. So if you don't have that, then the shin will will, will take that. Um, and secondly, the the act of even the act of strengthening the calf muscles themselves will have a strengthening effect on the bone. So we mentioned before how those calf muscles attach on there. And when we do strength training, it actually does cause some pulling and shearing on that, on that bone and the bone gets stronger by that. So that can be twofold, the lack of, lack of um, absorption and also the lack of stimulation to, uh, to, to strengthen, that, uh, strengthen that bone. So, um, and uh, one way to test that our, our um, listeners can uh, test that themselves is, is by doing a, a calf raise to fatigue test. Uh, and that's uh, you know doing as many calf raises as you can till you can't do any more, making sure you're getting nice and nice and high up. Uh, and we want to be looking for you know the the, the ballpark figure is is 25 reps on on each side, um, and uh, and no more than 10% difference from from side to side. Uh, we've got a number of different sort of technologies that we use in 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 practice, like force plates, to to also get a more accurate reading of, of strength. But that's uh, one of those tests that our, our listeners can uh, can do to um to to see where they're uh, where they're at. Um, and then obviously strengthening those calf muscles. Well, we've got some, um, you know, the simple, simple standing calf raise or, or seated calf raise are, are really, uh, really good, um, good exercises to, uh, to get that, uh, build that strength and also help develop that, uh, develop that, that, that bone strength as well too. <clears throat> Then if we go on to next uh, next part of sort of addressing this uh, this issue there is is uh, strong feet. So obviously for, for runners, you know, it's really important to be the first thing to contact the ground. So it's important that, uh, that we have uh, good functioning feet um, to help absorb that impact and and uh, um, and be a solid base for the rest of our, our body to, uh, to to be on. So some of the things, some of the things that our, our uh, listeners can test at home, you know, to see what their foot strength's like and their foot control is is doing uh, spreading the toes apart. So just trying to fan your toes, um, spread them, spread them out there, obviously doing this without your shoes on. Um, and uh, then we've got toe yoga, which is basically alternating the big toe up in the air and the remaining toes. So you're sort of alternating um, up and down and up and down, um, which uh, can have some people looking confusingly at their feet thinking, why can't I, why can't I do that? Um, and, uh, and then the other one is you can go then onto some banded toe flexion where you're sitting down, you have a band around the toe and then you're pulling it down to, uh, down to the ground there. So you can do that on the big toe and you can also do that on the remaining, uh, remaining toes there as well. Uh, and then there's other things like foot crawls and calf raise splits as well. Lots of different ways. Even the actual, the act of doing a calf raise is also putting uh, putting some strength in through those uh, in through those feet too. So that's another good way that we can we can build that uh, build that strength in through the the feet there. Um, and then we've got uh, we've got next, and we've got our, our plyometrics. Now, obviously, this is not something where people will may necessarily start straight into mm. um, with with this sort of condition. 
Um, although what uh, sort of two of the, the, the good things for, so we know for, for bone health and bone strength, um, running is not great for, for, for bone health uh, because of the number of cycles and, and you know in terms of cycles is in each time we our foot hits the ground and if we look at you know say um uh, over you know we're sitting hitting 180 times 180 times a minute uh and you know it can be thousands and thousands of, of foot strikes within it within a run and so it gets to a point where the body's just like oh no this is this is enough we've, we've had enough here um so running in itself um especially distance running is not the greatest for for, for good bone health uh, and that's why we tend to see because I, I always thought it was no was the best actually the best is is we do want impact exercise but that's where jumping and hopping um are really uh, can be really important uh and also with um with strength exercise so they're actually the two the two better things so sometimes with these i i get with these these medial, medial tibial stress and even with stress fractures as well they might not be able to you know to handle um, big volumes of, of running, but they can sometimes handle shorter distances mixed in with some plyometrics. So some jumping yeah. to really get that impact, impact going, get that muscle contraction going, get that shearing on the bone and, and develop that, that bone strength there, uh, as well as then the heavy resistance, uh, resistance training. So, so yeah, it's, it's contrary to what I remember, remember learning that years ago myself and thinking, oh, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound right, but it, but it actually is. It's more just that the body can't keep up with so many of those loading cycles yeah. within within Fair a distance enough. run it just yeah. gets to the point where it's like okay now now we're starting to to actually break down that uh, break down that yeah. bone so uh, and that's why you see stress fractures in in runners but you don't tend to see them so much in you know in the legs in powerlifters and and you know people that are in the, in the gym because they, they generally build up such a strong bone and um and it never exceeds it what it's uh, what it's capable of doing um so with our plyometrics you, you can do things like jumping and skipping you know with a jump rope uh do some hopping pogo jumps are one of our favorite as well yeah. uh, and then going on to things like uh, things like bounding um, and they yeah, and they can be done they actually can be done if if the runner is is not handling running very well uh, they can be done you know sometimes three times a week in short doses uh -huh. so so we tend to sort of you might have like a little bit of a five minute five minute plyometric workout there where you're just sort of getting a bit of that stimulation of the bone and the stimulation of that calf muscle and then that's it and then you leave it for another two days you know let that bone remodel and and settle down and then you then you hit it again so to do uh, to develop that strength do you think uh, most runners should incorporate plyometrics like year round or should it only be for like part of the year? No, I do think uh, I'm a big fan of plyometrics for, for runners. I think that, um, and, you know, plyometrics is, is such a big wide spectrum as well. So, you know, hopping on the spot is plyometrics, but also so is bounding. When bounding is where you're, you know, essentially um, taking long strides and, and really being explosive there. That's one of the, 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 the harder ones. And depth jumps where you're jumping, jumping off a high box and jumping up onto another one. So it's quite a big spectrum. So, yes, I think that, that runners should be doing plyometrics at all times of the, throughout the throughout the year um, but you can periodize it much like you would your strength training where in your off season or you know when you're building a bit of base and building your volume that's when you can uh, put some put you might put two sessions two or three sessions in a week plyometrics you might only do once a week if you're doing really heavy plyometrics um, and then when you're in season or you know getting closer to racing uh, then that's when you can drop it down to just the once a week and you you might change the the volume of the plyometrics that you're uh, you're doing there as well too so so yes I do 
I do agree that there is there's benefits and there's also you know there's a number of studies to show the improvements in running performance with uh, with with yeah. plyometrics and 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 some have even shown that taking out some running volume and and adding plyometrics in no, to to replace that actually got better results than what the group that kept their running volume uh, steady. So so yeah, I think there's there's definitely it's one of those things that I find is is underused in in runners. Yeah. They're often not doing it, um, but yeah, some some really good uh, really good effects and, and can be very simple as well. That's interesting. Now with bio, um, should you be wearing like running shoes or no shoes or different kind of shoes? That's a really good, really good question. And, and uh, the answer can be a bit of both. Um, I think that there's benefits to, you know, I mean, we mentioned before about the benefits of, of, um, uh, of developing that foot strength. So I think there can be some benefits of doing certain plyometrics in, in bare feet um, and others in, in shoes. And it does come down to, you know, if there's people have got some other issues going on with their feet or their toes, or, you know, then I might sort of say, oh, look, we'll keep you in shoes, but otherwise we'll go with the, with the, um, the, the, the bare foot. And especially if you're starting some one from you know the very low plyometric exercises um really easy ones where you can start them with with doing that barefoot and then you can actually gradually increase that as you uh, as, as you go so i think there's a point to be made for for, for either and I, I will i will mix and mix and match so uh yeah yeah just depending on on what and also what their foot strength's like because if you you know if you're looking at your foot strength it's like oh it's not very good you know you're not really used to going barefoot then you just got to be careful with with ripping that off and and uh you know doing a lot of these jumps and hops in uh, in in, in bare feet but that's a yeah, good question yeah. thank you yeah um then we go on to some other things as well that can be used so obviously the mainstays mainstays of of, uh, of management for this medial tibial stress are you know getting your loads right looking at your strength um we should also mention too that that sometimes in in these uh in, in runners that have this they will often have strength deficits elsewhere or throughout the leg so they might have they might be weaker in the hip or up and through the quads and and so that's uh, that's important to uh to assess that that whole the person as a whole um some of the things that, and then we've also got our plyometrics as well too um to, to help that uh, strengthen that calf and the uh, and the the bone there uh, other things we've got so we've got self-massage so uh, you know working through with a foam roller or the massage gun uh, massage ball those sort of things there working through the uh through the calf can help to uh, to give a bit of bit of relief there um, I'd, I'd stay away though from the shin so don't rub you know where we, we sort of mentioned before that that point where you touch along the shin there and it can feel quite gristly there yeah. don't rub along uh, self-massage along through that it just hurts and, and it can sort of aggravate the condition so I tend to say stay away from that but but certainly working around through that uh, through the, the calf there um, compression sleeves and stockings. So you certainly see in, in races a number of people uh, sporting uh, sporting these out there. Um, there is some there is some evidence to suggest that they might so they might help um, with this this sort of condition. Uh, and the reason is not necessarily from a you know keeping things warm or a blood flow or anything there they actually the, the theory there is that these compression socks can help to reduce uh, vibration so every time our foot hits the ground everything everything will sort of vibrate uh, and that this frequency of vibration can sort of affect different sorts of tissues. So there's there's a theory there that wearing these sleeves can actually help reduce that vibration. And and anecdotally, we find, and I don't know if you've you've ever worn them as well yeah. too, Isabel. But anecdotally, people find that yeah, my my legs do feel better when I wear them. So for those people, I'm like, yep, 
if it feels good, then then go for it. They're not going to do any, uh, certainly not going to do any any harm. Yeah, um, there's another another product that's sort of recently come on the market called the uh, the solution, which is a sort of like as you can see this image here, which is a a, a wrap that goes around the leg and it's to be worn um, before uh, exercise, uh, and it's been shown to help improve um, ankle mobility there. So that's sort of marketed towards um, um, uh, towards this uh, medial tibial stress syndrome. So just so our, our listeners and our viewers are aware of what's uh, what's out there. Um, foot orthotics as well too. So some people benefit from foot orthotics if there's some some dysfunction around through the feet there that uh, um, that needs to be needs a bit of support. Then that's where a, a, an orthosis can be uh, can be quite useful there. Um, shoe wear too. Uh, again, you know, coming back to fitting the person to to their particular shoe um, can be uh, can be really important. Okay. Uh, nutrition as well, something that we want to make sure that you know are they getting enough calorie? Are they getting enough calories? You know, vitamin D obviously really important for for bone bone health. Um, you know, unfortunately, we find that that uh, runners can sometimes underfuel and and um, um, and suffer from what's called relative energy deficiency syndrome or what's called Reds. Uh, I know you've had you've spoken about that before on your podcast as well too as well but um but yeah that's something that does it does in, increase the risk of, of stress fractures so i just want to make sure that you know you're getting enough uh getting enough food in there uh and the last one is uh, is shockwave as well too so um and that that can be used over that over that area um, so shockwave be done on the calf or on the shin? No, it's more done over the shin. So as you can imagine, it it hurts. Um, I don't I don't have it. Uh, I don't use it myself. Um, and uh, but it's just one of these things that that people will use out out there. Um, essentially, what they do is yeah, just with the, with sort of a gun there, and they go up and down the, the shin. But as you can imagine, that is uh, it is quite sore. So um, <laughs> but uh, so uh, that's that's one of those ones that that is out there. Um, in terms of return to return to running. So so, um, so quite often, as we mentioned earlier, that you can run um, with uh, with some discomfort with this. Uh, certainly, if we like before and and the other conditions we've spoken about, if you can keep the pain below a four or five out of ten for you, then that's a uh, then that's that's ideal. Um, but it must not exceed that during the run after the run or the day after. So if we were sort of finding, yeah, okay, I kept it at a four during the run, but geez, afterwards I was hobbling around, it was a six or seven out of 10, and the next day it was really bad too, then that's that's a sign that, no, that's that's a bit too much. Uh, you need to, to dial, that, uh, dial that back. Um, and uh, and that can be, you know, tr the, the next run, you can try just reducing what you did um, that, uh, that particular run, you try reducing that a little bit, uh, a little bit shorter. Um, and uh, and then sort of you know gradually increasing uh, increasing from that. Um, so uh, the other thing we want to do, avoid doing is avoid running uphill. Um, so uphill is is not uh, not as good for for this condition. Um, and the reason being there is it's quite an interesting one. There was some, a study released a, a couple of years ago that looked at um, the the stress on the shin bone uh, with with uphill running and uh, what they found was that it was actually higher and and uh the which is contrary to what you might think and contrary to what i believed and that, that yeah. i think that you know downhill running because you've got the, the flight time there and that that impact coming down yeah. but in actual fact what's causing the increase um uh increase in, in uh stress on that on that shin bone is because when we run uphill we're using our calf muscles a lot more and remember how we said before when the calf muscles are really working hard they are pulling more on that uh, on that bone so that's when we tend to get more of that bending forces happening through there so i'll tend to just just keep people running flat so I, I won't even sort of say you know downhill downhill running. Um, just just try and keep as flat as, as flat as possible um, when when uh, sort of coming back from uh, back from this. Uh, but Can especially avoiding uphills. 
What about some people who might be inclined to be taking anti-inflammatories so that they can run? Yeah, so it's the same thing. Same thing there. I think you 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 can be. Um, we mentioned before about that about that spectrum there, and by by doing that, you do run the risk of of moving further along the spectrum of going into a stress reaction and a stress fracture. If you're essentially sort of numbing the numbing the pain there, unfortunately with um, with anti-inflammatories too, they they're not the greatest for bone health in in that uh, you actually need, you know, if there's something happening at the bone there, you need your body to come in there and, and repair that. And anti-inflammatories are, are designed to sort of settle things, settle things down. So uh, it sort of can delay, you know, it's not, not great to use while we don't use, you know, if someone's got a fracture or a stress fracture, we don't certainly don't use uh, anti-inflammatories there. So I sort of treat that the same way. Probably the only time I'd say to use anti-inflammatories is if, is if we've got a, you know, a race coming up this weekend or, you know, and we just need to, we do need to cheat a little bit. Uh, and we do need to, to numb, numb the pain. Otherwise, I tend to stay away from anti-inflammatories for this condition. And I agree with you. Like pain, as much as we don't like it, it's actually giving us information. And, and the information that we're getting is maybe we shouldn't run. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, and and certainly sometimes our pain response can go overboard, and and uh, you know we might need to, to quieten that down. And medication can be can be needed for for um for other conditions, but but I don't tend to use it so much, and don't tend to recommend it so much for uh, for this one. Yeah. Um, so running technique, running technique is something that um, that can be uh, quite useful in terms of uh, modifying running technique for, for this, um, and certainly things that can be that can be done to help with this sort of issue. And obviously, you know, assessing and seeing what your running technique is like is, is obviously important before you just go uh, changing things. But some of the things that, that, uh, that I find um, that can be useful here might be increasing a step rate or increasing the cadence if that cadence is, is too low, uh, increasing the step width. So going very slightly, slightly wider. And we're not talking, you know, miles apart there, but sort of, you know, anywhere up from, from three to five centimetres apart. So increasing, uh, increasing that apart there, especially if you're one to run, you know, almost run one foot in front of the other. So, uh, so having a slight separation between uh, where, where each foot is landing. Uh, and the other one too is um, is is cueing to to land um, to reduce that the impact um, when you're when you're landing there. So that might be you know running quietly or uh, you know pretend you're running on hot coals there. So just landing a lot lighter on the ground. So rather than too too heavy and and pounding the the pavement so to uh, so to speak. So there are a few of the the, uh, the running uh, technique tips that, that can be uh, can be used. Um, and you know the million dollar question: or how long does this take to uh, take to get better? Um, well, a lot of the studies that will show that it, it, it is it can be a bit of a long slog over over three months um, to run at a you know at a decent intensity for twenty minutes. Um, so for a lot of runners, that's that's not a lot, uh, yeah. and that is a that is a fair long, length of time. Now, in my experience, that if we can get onto it earlier, uh, and that you know if things are appropriately managed, we can we can often keep the runner going through. Although there are some that do need some, some time off that we do need to reduce their mileage down a little bit and fewer that we then have to actually stop them running for a short period of time and switch to cross training. So things like, you know, aqua jogging or, or bike or cross trainer um, and, and, you know, and strength training um, to, to allow things to settle down. So then it comes down to sort of how reactive they are during their, their run. Like if they're like, oh, no, I'm a six or a seven, there's, we do need to, uh, you know, settle things down a little bit. So that might need a little bit of a spell. Um, but, uh, but like with all, all the runners, we want to get them back out there as soon as possible and, and not, um, and not uh, have them missing, missing out on it. But, but sometimes it, it, Maybe it may be needed for uh, for them. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and what I'm uh, hearing from you with, with a lot of these that we've done is the sooner, you know, getting on foot soon, not just ignoring it um, and hoping it'll go away, but actually being proactive and, and getting it seen to and getting, getting it started on the, the recovery. Yep, exactly right. That's it. You know, know what you're dealing with. You know, it's it's not just shin splints. Uh, you know, there's lots of things that can cause shin pain. Finding out what it is, finding out why it's happening, where you've gone wrong. You know, is it a loading issue? You need to get your running program right. Is it a strength issue? Is it you just need more recovery? Whatever it is, and then tailoring the management to uh, to, uh, to to get that to get that right and back on uh, back out on track. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's something the listeners really need to to take to heart because I do find a lot of runners just and and myself in the past included would just ignore things thinking oh it'll go away eventually but it's not generally the way it works <laughs> no no putting your head in the sand unfortunately and especially for this this condition is uh yeah. it can can be uh well catastrophic in terms of where yes. it, where it can get to so no you don't want to let it get to uh, get to that no, exactly all right well thank you Luke, for for giving us a bit more information on this condition and um like I said at the start, I hope we've helped some people and some people who might be experiencing and thinking, well, you know, if I just, if I just, you know, take a week off and then go straight back into it, it'll be fine. That's probably almost one of the worst things you can do. It's, um, you know, it's getting it diagnosed and then working on strength and everything else to, to improve the condition. That's it. Well, thanks very much for, uh, for having us as well. And uh, yeah, I hope we've uh, been able to help some, uh, help some runners out there. Yep. That's it. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. I hope this informative episode has helped you if you are feeling shin pain. Of course, this podcast does not substitute for medical advice. So please see your specialist if you are feeling pain. And of course, I do highly recommend Luke. It is always best to get something officially diagnosed so you know exactly what you are dealing with so you know how to get better again to get back to running. And that's basically the goal, isn't it? So have a great week of training and racing if you are lucky enough.